Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. The scent of a victorious life. It's interesting that the, the praise team talked about um, God giving, leading us into victory. Um, God uh, makes no mistakes. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Use me. Let your will be done. Open up our hearts and minds to hear what you would have us to hear. And let us take it and run with it so that we could expand your kingdom and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the scent of a victorious life. When you think about a victorious life, and we, we have a victorious life week, we have all of those various things, um, sometimes we, we sometimes think of someone who has this wonderful, amazing life, right? The, someone who hasn't really done too many things wrong. But in actuality, that's not really what God is saying a victorious life is all about. And so Paul, in 2 Corinthians, explains and gives us an example of a victorious life and the scent of it, how it impacts not only the person, but also others. So this is a picture of my family, my core family, my two boys, um, AJ and Miles. And then, then my mom, they have walked through this life with me. I was saved, I gave my life to Christ at age seven. So ordinarily you would think, okay, at age seven, gave my life to Christ, things kind of flowed pretty well. A lot of times we as Christians give the Facebook version of our life and then stamp it and say that's victorious life. But in reality, life can be difficult. Life can have challenges. So I, I declare that as of age seven, I have lived a victorious life. However, during that life, things have happened. Things I've done that I wouldn't want to be put up on this screen right now, and things that have been done to me. But yet and still, it is a victorious life. All right, so, so scripture, um, we're coming from 2 Corinthians 2, beginning in the 12th verse. And it says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. It's important, and I have it highlighted here furthermore, because um, Paul, in the first chapter and the second chapter, he talks about the Corinthians. He's talking about their life. He, he talks about how they, they troubled him because of the things that they were doing there in Corinth. It reminds us that although you can have a triumphant life, your life may not be perfect. So he, he talks here ab about um, what had happened. He said, furthermore, so he's talking about what happened with the Corinthians, but also you see in, this, in the scripture here that he talks about not being able to find Titus. 
And so he had some anxiety. He had some things that were going on in his life. And for you guys, I, I know that especially getting ready to go into Thanksgiving, um, getting ready for uh, finals and all of those things, you are facing anxiety. Um, it's not for you to pretend that because you are a Christ follower, because you have a victorious life, that those things don't bother you. They do. They're a part of this life that we have with Christ. So what's a victorious life when you, when you think about it? This definition um, I love to use when, when we talk about a victorious life. So it's, first of all, it's rooted in faith. It's not because of me, it's not because of you, but because we have faith in what Jesus Christ has told us about ourselves. So we have, therefore, a victorious life. It requires surrender, and it requires obedience. It requires us to say, okay, God, you have my life. I'm going to turn my, my life over to you. And because of that, I can declare that I have a victorious life because you are in control of all of it. It also requires a daily, a daily moment-by-moment moment choice. So that means sometimes there, there will be um, decisions that you have to make during life that you won't make the right decision. And that doesn't disqualify you from a victorious Christian life. It means that sometimes you, you won't do exactly what you know that God has required of you to do. But then we turn back to him, the author and finisher of our life, and he will provide us with forgiveness as long as we repent. And we're then able to walk that victorious life again. And so we keep our victorious life, but we may not always have the scent of a victorious life. And I love this last part. It's a growing into the lifestyle like Christ. So th that means we're, we're not perfect. So when I turned my life over at seven, it was great. My name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I continue to grow even now into more and more of the likeness of him. So that's what victorious life is. It's attainable by you. It's attainable by me as long as we've turned our life over to Christ. Paul was a realist. He said, these things are happening. My life is hard. I have anxiety. These things are going on. But thanks be to God. As we get, get ready to enter into Thanksgiving, as we get ready to go back uh, to places that maybe we don't want to go back to, uh, perhaps into family situations, we can remember what Paul is telling us. He says, yes, life is hard. These circumstances are here. We're not going to pretend that they're not. But thanks be to God, he is the one who leads us into triumph in Christ. No matter what your circumstances may be, no matter what you may face, he leads us into triumph in Christ. And through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So life is hard. But thanks be to God, we have him. We have him to, to lead us, to guide us, to lead us into this victorious life that he would have us to live. You remember a few weeks ago, uh, we had the, the big celebration that kicked off 
the 100th anniversary, we had the, um, the missions conference and, and many of us were walking down International Boulevard with flags and we were representing where God has taken people who have graduated from this university. So think of that as, you, as, you, as we delve into the scripture when Paul was talking about the Roman victory parade. So he talks about in scripture, he says, um, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses a fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So I have a, a picture there that you can kind of see a depiction of the Roman parade. The victors got a chance to lead all of the captives that they had uh, throughout the city they would have this, this huge parade. There would be musicians at the beginning. They would blow horns of, of celebration that the victory had occurred. And all of the captives would be following, those that were apart, the allies, they would follow in this grand procession, excited about the victory that they had won. So some things about this that, that are important to, to understand so you can have the backdrop about the scent of a victorious life. So first of all, they, we were at one time foes, all of us. If you've turned your life over to Christ, we were foes, uh, we were against God. Once we became a part of the family of Christ, we accepted him, then we, were, we became captive foes. We, we were, we were captiv captivated um, by him. And so after we had been captivated by him, after we had become a part of him, we can also become his ally. So in, in the scripture, it, said, it tells us that not only are we a part of this grand parade that Paul was describing to us, we are also to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we are the sweet aroma, just like he would be smelling Christ. So the idea here is that we are a pleasing aroma, a pleasing scent to God, just like we are right now. Not perfect, but a sweet aroma to Christ. We are, and our lives are, a sweet aroma going up to Christ. So we're his allies, if you look at the, the idea of this long procession of victory. And then we're also his ambassadors. So he has us. The pleasure that we have, the blessing that we have, is that we are to announce him to the world. And so we can go out and we can go around and say, this is our king. Let me tell you about our king. So all of this idea of a victorious parade is so important for us to understand because the victory that we have, the victory that we see in him, 
it's already done. So that means no matter what happens in the future, no matter how it, how it looks to you right now, the victory is there. We're just waiting for the manifestation of it. The victory is secure. So we look at it, we look at this great parade, and hopefully you can kind of envision this in your minds, this great parade of, of people who are followers of Christ that are going throughout the world and they're telling about Christ. They have the music, they have the trumpets, but there's also some folks that are there that have incense. So in these great Roman parades, they didn't have Facebook and, and um, um, any of the, the technology and other things that we have. They don't have the CIU app. So they wanted to get the word out that this victory parade was coming. And so what they would do is they would burn incense. They would have incense along the parade route, but they would also have people who were following along with incense. And they would say in the, in the towns and in the villages, there's that incident. There must have been a victory. The victory parade is coming. And so Paul uses this whole idea of the scent that's in these parades to show us what the scent of victorious life is all about. So victory has a scent. When you get home, are there some things that, that um, you love at, at uh, Thanksgiving time, some foods that you just, you, you smell it and you, you think of home? I, I'm sure there are. There, there's, it has to be some things, right? Um, some people love, during this time of, of year, they, lo they love uh, pumpkin spice. I'm not a big fan of it, but, but when you smell pumpkin spice, you, you normally know that it's fall, right? That fall is coming or fall is here because pumpkin spice is here. So scent, the scent, the things that we smell have a huge impact, not only on knowing what the season is, but even on our behavior. So there is a scent of a victorious life that Paul talks about here. So first of all, it's the king scent. The second thing, it's a signature scent. And the third thing, and you can change this up, it's a transformational scent. It's a, it, it's a scent that impacts people differently, different people differently. So it's a king scent, it's a signature scent, and then it's a transformational scent. So first of all, let's, let's dive into this. How is it the king sent? When you look at uh, verse 14, it says, now thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ and through it, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So this is the king sent, it's not ours, it belongs to him, the victory belongs to him and the scent belongs to him. We cannot use it absent connecting with the Father. So a diffuser, think of yourself as a diffuser. God pours in his scent, then it mixes with you, and then you diffuse it out to the world. So we're the diffuser. Have, how many of you have used diffusers before? All right. So when, when, when you put the, a lot of times you put essential oils in and you, you may, maybe even mix them up, right? And, and you want, want that particular smell that, that flows not only just right where you smell it but, it, but it flows throughout, usually the location where you are. 
Not only does it, it um, have that smell right then, but you can turn the diffuser off and you still have that fragrance that's in the room. So it's the fragrance of his knowledge. I don't have to know it all, I don't have to understand it all, but I have to have faith in him and express his knowledge throughout the world. It's a powerful, powerful scent. It's a fragrance that's irresistible. When someone comes in contact with the true and living God, there is transformation. Either the person accepts it, as, it's, as Paul says in scripture a little bit later, and it's a sweet aroma, or it smells like death to them. So there is something about the scent, the victorious scent, that God allows us to diffuse to the world. We can't have it without him. You know, sometimes we, we get, um, and I know I've done it in, in the past, bought the, the imitation. We really love this, this cologne or this, this fragrance. We, we really love it, but we, we can't quite afford it. You know, it, it, it may be like a, a very, very expensive type of cologne, and so we will look for the off-brand or we'll look for the imitation and try to use it. And it may smell good for a while or it may be a little bit off, but it, it, it's just not quite the same. If we're going to be, have a victorious life, we have to diffuse, we have to spread the real thing, not the imitation. And we can only have that if we have a true relationship with Christ. That's the only way. So the scent that we diffuse, it's the king scent. It's a signature scent. I loved it when I began studying, studying this a while back. I started looking at how they create cologne and perfume. So what they have is a base scent. All right. What they have is a base scent, a middle scent, which, which they call the, the heart, the, the heart, and then they have the, the top. So they have all three of these that they combine into any fragrance that you wear. Now when we look at Christ and the victorious scent, the scent that he has, the scent of a victorious life, we all who have given our lives to Christ have that base. That base is our foundation. That base is a life in him. It's what he pours into each and every one of us. It's all the same. He pours himself into us. So we have that base that we all have. Now this, this middle piece or this middle fragrance that they mix in, it's called the heart scent. And I love that because that's the heart of each of us. God has put particular things into you, into you that he didn't put into me. So he created this heart piece. He created it for you. And so this heart piece is particular to you. And that's why it makes it a significant, special scent that only you can give to the world. That's why God created you the way that he created you. When you think about that, you think about the base that he, of the foundation of, of Christ. And then you think of that middle, middle part, the heart of you. I think we can understand that we are special and important. Each and every one of us, because none of us have that same scent that God wants to give to the world. The heart. That's why it's so important that you know who you are. 
that you know your likes, you know your passions, you know those things that God has put into you so that you can have that proper mix. There's nothing like a, a, a scent that's off. A scent that lasts, that's, that's long-lasting, has a perfect balance. Now that, that top note, and they call all of these notes, the top note, the middle note, and then the bass note. When we think of the top note, we think of what we, what we um, see when we first meet someone. You either see a smile or you see a frown. You either hear someone say hello or you don't. It's that, it's that top shelf. You really don't get to know that person, but it's something that connects you. When, when I did the colors, I put the, the top note as yellow because I was thinking about how we as Christians, we go around and, and we, we put out the fragrance of, of Christ, but sometimes our top note is a little off. And so sometimes it's yellow and exciting and happy. You think of yellow as happy and that sort of thing. But sometimes we can be lemon Christians, as some people call it. We're frowning and we're complaining. And, and our scent is a little bit off. And so to the world, they don't want a part of that scent. It smells off. They want a balanced scent so that they can know the true victory that they can have in Christ. So your signature scent, what do you really smell like? Do you have that basis of Christ as your foundation? Do you have that, that heart piece, that heart note, where you really understand who you are and how God is using you in the world? And then on the piece that you really have control over, when you are in the world, is your top note right? Do you share with others in a way that they will feel loved, that they will recognize the scent, the victorious scent of Christ. So it's a, the king's scent, it's a signature scent, and then it's a transformational scent. It impacts different people differently. One of the hardest things, I think, when, when you, you become a, um, a child of God, uh, one of the hardest things is understanding that everybody's not going to like you. We want people to like us, right? We want to be recognized. We want friends. We want all of that. But the reality is when we are diffusing the scent of a victorious life, there are some people that are just not going to like your smell. Sometimes when you go back home and you have, you have gotten a taste, you've gotten that foundation, some of you are new in Christ, and, and you go back home and, and the people that were always wanting to hang around you and you wanted to hang around them, there, there's going to be something off. But know that what's off is not you. Know that what's off is that scent of Christ in you. They won't always accept you. That's part of the cost of a victorious life. It's part of a, the cost of serving him. For some, it's going to be great. They're going to, they're going to want to be around you more and more because when people connect with, with an, another Christ follower, it's almost, you can just feel it. I remember during the, during the um, missions conference, I, I saw a lady that I'd, I'd heard about, people had told me about, we had even corresponded via, uh, via email for a long, long time, years now. 
I had no idea she was gonna be at the conference. She came up to me, we were right there in the back of the chapel, and, and she, she said, are you, are you Michelle? I said, yeah, you know, I didn't know who it was. Uh, put a smile on my face, I'm, I'm not sure who it was, but she said who she was, and I was like, okay, I still don't know who this is. But there was an instant connection there. And as we talked a little bit more, we were, we were talking, and I immediately connected with her. And so we talked for just five minutes, but at the end of that, she said, I love you. And I told her, I love her too. And it was a genuine thing. It wasn't just words to say because our scent had matched. We had that foundation of the same Christ in her that was in me. The scripture says in um, the 16th, 16th verse, to the one we are the aroma of death leading, leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? We are not sufficient to live the victorious life that God is calling us to do. We're not in and of ourselves sufficient. We can't do it by ourselves. And when we connect with people and we're trying to tell them about Christ, we can't fix people. We can't fix ourselves. It's only Christ who can do that. So this transformational scent that we get to diffuse throughout the world, it's his scent, it's our signature scent, but the reality is the transformation only comes through him. And we do it all to the glory of God. So verse 17 says, for we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So whatever we're doing, however we display it, we are doing it for the glory of God. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to ponder it. What aroma will people encounter? What aroma do, will the people that connect with you, even the folks that, that see you as we leave today, encounter when they're in your presence? What do they smell? What smell are you leaving behind? Because in reality, even if you don't intentionally do it, you're leaving an aroma. You're leaving a scent. So what kind of aroma will people experience from you? Will it be something that draws them to Christ? Will it be something, will it be a scent that draws them to you so that you can share about Christ? Or will it be something that they consider off, that turns them away? Will you be one that, that um, looks at a victorious life and tells all the good stuff and leaves people in the frame of mind that they could never reach that? Or will you be transparent and tell them about how a victorious life really is? That it's not perfect. That there are things that you have experienced that God has had to help you through. How do you smell? What kind of fragrance will you leave? So I have some tips as we get ready to, to leave. 
as we get ready to go back home, as we get ready to go to, to various places uh, for Thanksgiving, and then at the end of the semester, how do we give off this sense of victorious life? How do we deal with all of this? The first tip, don't mask your sin. It's easy to get with people that you know and, and try to pretend that, that you really don't know Christ and you're going to hang out with them and you're not going to really, they don't need to know, those sorts of things. But don't mask your sin. Don't mask the base, what you know about Christ, but don't mask the, the heart either about who God has made you and how he has created you, that you are indeed someone of worth, not because of you, but because of what God has poured into you. So don't mask your sin. Be intentional about who you are and whose you are. The second thing, stay connected to God. There's no way that you can live the life that he wants you to live without staying connected to him. And then finally, give yourself some grace. We always talk about giving other people grace and not being judgmental. But show some grace for yourself. Even if you go home and, and, and things get a little bit awry, stay connected to God and get back on track. Our loving God is so forgiving. He is a wonderful God, and he knew you would do it even before you did. He knew you may not have your devotional time as you planned to do. He knew all of the things that you may say, oh, my goodness, I messed up it, whatever that is. And for all of us, we got a list, right? So whatever those lists are for you, remember to show yourself some grace. Because our amazing Father, the Holy One, the one who is righteous, shows us grace. So show yourself some grace. So as we think about leaving and we think about the sense, I love Christmas time and the, the sense of Christmas. All of those things that, that um, help us to remember belonging and home and family. Remember the scent of a victorious life. And smell up the place with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, dear God, for sharing your word with us. We pray, dear God, that the words that we heard, that something will take root, God. We pray that we will be able to live more and more like you. We can't do it by ourselves, but we know, God, that with you, all of us have a victorious life. Help us to fragrance the world with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.